All right, I hope you've enjoyed the time of worship we've had, we've had this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 6 this morning. Matthew chapter number 6 is where we're going to be as we continue our study Entrusted. We've looked at this for six previous weeks. We took a couple weeks off there around Easter and went on that Easter narrative, that journey towards the cross and the empty tomb. Hope you enjoyed that. Pray that you enjoyed that. We're going to get back to the series this morning and close it out, Lord willing, next week and then the week after, starting a new series that I'll talk a little bit more about Wednesday, hopefully, and kind of introduce what that series is going to be about. But in this Entrusted series, what we've been trying to understand is that biblical perspective of a steward, what stewardship is really all about. And as I've said throughout this series, I think many people have a misunderstanding of what true biblical stewardship looks like. Some people hate the idea of hearing messages on stewardship because they feel like it's all about money. I could have easily gone that direction in the series, but I haven't. I've mentioned money throughout it, but I haven't talked in depth about money. We're going to hit a little bit on it today, but it's not even a message that goes deep into the money aspect of it. Again, this message and really all of the message is centered around one central thought. And it's the thought that we've been sharing throughout this whole series that first and foremost, God is the owner. And if God is the owner, that makes you and I, if we are his children, if we are a child of God, if we've been saved, if we're his children, then that makes us the steward. And that's what this whole series is about. Understanding that first and foremost, God is the owner. Since God is the owner, I am his steward. There's many definitions of stewardship that we can talk about, but one that I like is this. Stewardship can be defined as the divinely authorized responsibility for believers to faithfully oversee the protection and expansion of the assets that God has entrusted them to manage on his behalf. God has entrusted us as his children to work for him, to promote his glory, And I think the reason why many people struggle in their Christian life comes back to this principle of stewardship. We don't understand our role, our place. Our place is not a place of prominence and preeminence. Our place is that of second, under Jesus Christ, under his authority. And one thing throughout the past probably six plus months that we've been dealing with, going back to the series Meaningless, not a meaningless series, but the series Meaningless out of the book of Ecclesiastes, where Solomon was giving us the the comparison and the contrast of a valuable life versus a meaningless life. And many times, many of us have been chasing things that are frivolous, that are foolish, instead of chasing after wisdom. But one thing we hit on back then and even in the past couple series up to date, is the fact that God is sovereign, meaning God is in control. I know all of us can say that. We can even say it right now as we're watching from our living rooms or bedrooms or wherever we're watching from this morning. We can say that God is in control, but do we believe it? Are we living like God is truly in control? And one thing I had talked about even at the beginning of this year with our theme being impact and turning the world upside down, I said that sub-theme that I have for you is 
I want you to learn to lose control. And some of you are like, Pastor, quit saying that because I have definitely lost control. I'm not talking about losing control of your senses and about to, to lose your mind because your kids are driving you crazy because you become a teacher and you're never supposed to be a teacher. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is that we have to learn to give up, surrender control of things that were never ours to begin with. And really, this pandemic has been a great opportunity for us to realize that it's not about our plans. Now, there's nothing wrong with having planners. I've, I've got one in front of me today. This is my 2020 planner. It's one of my 2020 planners. I had two planners. You know, I like this planner, but many of the things that I had within this planner, they're not really working out for me. So really what we should do is just kind of toss our planners off to the side. Or you write them in pencil so you can erase and everything is good. But what a lot of us have realized and learned is that this year, things haven't gone according to the plan that we had intended. And that's okay. Some of you are like, no, it's not okay, Pastor. I get what you're saying, but the thing is, it is because God is still in control. God is still on the throne. And one thing we've learned in this series is just how much control he has over things. And as a steward, he should have control over us. He has entrusted us. He has entrusted us with resources. More than just money, he has entrusted us with our life. He has entrusted us with talents, with time. Now, all of us don't have the same amount of time to live. Some have longer days to live than others. We all have 24 hours in a day, but it's about using our time wisely for God. And Many of us are good at wasting time. And even probably during this pandemic, many of us have probably wasted a lot of time. But God has given us time to manage for him. He has given us treasures to manage for him. And understanding biblical stewardship is understanding that all of it flows together. That it's not just about the church getting more of my money. It's about me understanding that I have a responsibility as a Christian as a child of God, as a steward, understanding that I am second, that God is first. He's the owner. I'm the steward. I'm the manager. And it's never a good thing when the manager acts like the owner. But yet, how many times have we done that? How many times have we tried to take control of a situation that was never ours to take control of? You think about giving and the aspect of money. How many times do people take control over their money and are not willing to relinquish control to God, they're not willing to give to the church anything. Well, I think the tithe is outdated and that was only an Old Testament thing. You really don't understand what your Bible teaches. And really it comes back to the aspect of stewardship again. That if you're not really willing to relinquish control of your money, what God has given you, and give back to him, give to others, then you are not operating as a biblical steward. And your idea of stewardship is completely messed up. You see, stewardship also covers the aspect of worship. And one of the aspects of worship is through our giving. Someone once said, the more passionate our faith, the more consistent our giving. If we truly have a faith that loves God, 
that wants to serve God and live for God, then there is no limit to our gift. Even Paul says in, in Corinthians that God loves a cheerful giver. We should be cheerful in our giving to God. I like what George Mueller once said, let us walk as stewards and not owners, keeping for ourselves the means with which the Lord has entrusted us. He has not blessed us so that we may gratify our carnal mind. It's very easy to do that, isn't it? It's very easy to gratify what we want, to store up more of what we want instead of giving back to God. And he continues in closing, he said, but for the sake of using our money in his service to his praise. Here's the truth. Money matters. It matters to God and it matters to us. It matters to many of us because we're living paycheck to paycheck. We need money and there's nothing inherently wrong with money. It's the love that comes from money. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money. But some of us love money too much and what it can buy us, what it can bring us, instead of realizing that the more money we make, the more opportunity we have to share, the more opportunity we have to give. God isn't against money. He's not against making money. We have to in order to live. He is against what happens when money becomes our source instead of God being our source. And I'll hit more on that next week as we close out this series, as we look at that true perspective of stewardship. You know, Jesus dealt a lot with money. In fact, in 39 of his recorded parables, 11 of them deal with money in different aspects. Money's huge. We work for money. We live for money. We think about money. We wish we had more money. We worry we don't have enough money. I like what Tony Evans says concerning this. He says, we are to maximize our life and skills that God has given us. What he's saying is, maximize your opportunity to make. Maximize your opportunity to work. It's not a bad thing to work, to gain more. But listen to what he says in closing. He says, we are never to fall in love with what it brings our way. And many of us have fallen in love with what money can give us, what money can get us. And today, as we start the journey of closing out this series this week and next week, what we're going to look at is the test of a steward. And sadly, many people in their Christian life have miserably failed the test of stewardship. They have failed and had a misunderstanding of what true biblical stewardship looks like. Not just in one area or two areas, but in all areas. Because stewardship, as we've even learned in this series, it encompasses all of God's word. We went back to the book of Genesis. We went back to the very beginning to understand the idea, the concept of biblical stewardship. We went through Exodus and Psalms. We spent several teachings and messages in the Old Testament that didn't even deal with money. It's more than that. But today I want to give you four tests of a steward. And with each test, there's a question. An application for us to see if we're passing the test. To see if we're doing what God has called us to do. And the very first test that we see in Matthew chapter number six, we're just going to read it as we get to each test. The very first test we see is this. 
the durability test. The durability test. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse number 19, the Bible says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. And one of the first things that stand out to me in this verse, or in these verses in this passage, is that word treasures. Jesus doesn't say money because not everyone has just an influx of cash and money. But all of us have treasures. You think about it. If your house were burning down, yes, we'd probably try to get all the money that we have in the house. But one thing we would go after are the treasures that are in our house. You know, my wife and I have talked about that. There are certain things that we treasure, that we hold dear. Some of those things go back to Logan, his, his life on this earth. Some of the, the, the final things that we have of his life. To me, those are some treasures that we own. But a treasure can be a car. It could be a house. It could be a position that we seek after. It could be a stockpile of Amazon Prime boxes on our front door. It could be a bunch of KitchenAid products like like Ryan likes to collect at his house. It could be a, a lot of different things. But what we see here is this idea of treasures and this durability test. You see, in these verses, Jesus giving his Sermon on the Mount, he is giving a comparison contrasting. He is comparing and contrasting a positive with a negative. And what he is saying here in verse number 19, it says, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth. So here's the negative. Hey, it's not about storing up down here on this earth. It's not about getting more, gaining more, doing more down here. He continues on in verse number 20, but rather lay up treasures in heaven. So first of all, don't be so concerned with laying up down here. Be more concerned with laying up up there. Isn't it amazing how much stuff and junk we accumulate over the years? You know, honestly, I can be a meaningless hoarder at times. I don't just have tons of stuff in my room, but I keep them in, in my drawers, whether it be in my office or at the house. And it's just little things here and there. Some of them are, are little papers. And, you know, some, sometimes Amanda just gets so annoyed with me and rightfully so, because she's like, you can just take a picture of that. And it's saved forever if you have it in the cloud. I'm like, no, I, I need this paper from when I was like a junior in high school because it's, it's dear to me. It's, it's meaningless. I can be a meaningless hoarder. She, in turn, she tends to just give things away so that she can get more. And that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we just stockpile things. We get too much of something, too much junk. And what Jesus is emphasizing here is the spiritual over the physical. You see, everyone collects treasures on earth. But the truth is, our treasures do not last. What happens? They decay. As he says in the verse, moths come in, rust corrodes. You think about this, if, if you don't understand this concept, leave something outside for a week, two weeks, a couple months. And see what happens to it. With the weathering, it, it begins to corrode. It might change 
color. <laughs> it might go from a bright and brilliant color to a different shade that's more dull. I think of some of the toys that the boys have outside that have been outside for, for weeks and months. They've definitely changed color from when we first got them. Why? Because things decay. And the point Jesus is making here is, what are we focusing on? Are we focusing on building up our treasures here on this earth? Or are we more focused on building up our treasures in heaven? That phrase, for yourselves, Jesus doesn't want our focus and desires to be on selfish, self-centered things. One of the goals in life should not be how much you can acquire. Some people are good at that. And some people are proud at what they've acquired. Hey, look at, look at my trophies. Look at the stuff that I have. Look at the junk that has my name on it. Who cares? And that's the point Jesus is getting at here. It's not about laying up down here. It's about laying up in heaven. And the application question is this this morning. How long will it last? You see, in this durability test, we have to ask that question. How long is it going to last? Because if you're purchasing a bunch of stuff down this, on this earth, and I'm not saying you shouldn't purchase anything and just live a very, very, very meager life with nothing. But if that's what we're living for, it's going to decay. You know what's going to happen? You buy something, you buy a, a new car with all the bells and whistles, a couple years, you're going to need another new car. Because if you didn't take care of it properly, it's going to start decaying. <laughs> it's going to look horrible. And you're going to need another one, and another one, and another one. And it never ends. And I guess the, the question is, yes, how long will it last? But the application is this. What you treasure shows what you value. Let me say that again. What you treasure shows what you value. You see, we have to realize that what we have on this earth is going to decay. But if you try to store your wealth on this earth, the moths will find it. The rust will consume it. If you try to hide it for yourself, thieves can steal it. You know, Jesus is telling us here that earthly wealth is very insecure. So we see the durability test. How long will it last? And what, are, what we treasure shows what we value. Do we truly value the things of God? Or are we more concerned with the things of this world? Again, I'm not against having things. I'm not against having stuff. But what do we value the most? Second test is this, the heart test. The heart test, verse number 21. Here's that word again. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, if you store your treasure where you want your heart to be, then your heart will follow your treasure. Honestly, this is one of the biggest reasons why people struggle with giving to God in his church. Because their heart isn't truly into the things of God. They don't truly have a heart of worship because worship is more than just singing some songs. Worship deals with the idea, the aspect of stewardship. 
And one of the aspects of stewardship is in our giving. And if, if we're not willing to relinquish control, we are showing where our heart is. Our heart is not centered around the things of God. It's centered around what we want, what we desire. You see, here's a big problem that many of us have. We have invested everything down here and hardly anything up there. Our money has kept our heart tied to this earth. We'll never be able to get our heart focused on heaven as long as our attention is consumed with material things, things that don't really matter. Pastor, you're saying I shouldn't have nice things? That's not what I'm saying. If God has blessed you and you've given to God, man, by all means, that's, that's great. Praise God for that. But don't be so consumed with that. Because it doesn't matter. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If my treasure is in a putting green, if that's where I place my value, that's pretty sad. Yes, I've talked about that for years, that I would love to have that in the backyard, and maybe it might happen, but regardless, honestly, that is not my treasure. A treasure is not a new vehicle for me. For me, I, I, I try, and it's, it's something that, just like you, I have to fight continually. I have to continually fight my will for his will and realize that it's not about just more stuff and more junk and more stuff and more junk. It's not about, hey, look at me, look what I'm driving. Hey, look at me, look what I'm wearing. It's not about that. What's most important is am I living for Jesus Christ? Am I living for his glory, for his honor? You know, there, there are people that do amazing jobs at taking care of things. And what I mean is, think about their house. Did you not clean your house? No, you should clean your house. That's being a good steward. But there are people that, that take care of certain aspects with like kid gloves. I mean, they don't let anything touch it, anything scratch it, anything happen to it. But let me ask this question. How are we at taking care of the things of God? Here's the key truth. God doesn't call us to put our money where our mouth is. He calls us to put our money where our heart is. What's on your heart is going to come out. And it shows us what we truly value. Again, God's not opposed to money. He's not opposed to making money. But he is opposed to us using money, making money as our source. Because the moment money becomes our source, it becomes our love. And too many people have exchanged the eternal for the temporal. They have given up the valuable for the meaningless. And here's the application question I want, to, I want us to ask this morning with this point. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Listen to me. What you treasure shows what is in your heart. What you treasure shows what is in your heart. Here's the simple point. You think of it like a, a needle on a compass that points to the direction that you're facing. Our money faces the direction of our hearts. And some reasons that people don't give to God, to his church, is because 
They have so much money going every other direction. And their needle is pointing every other direction but the direction of God. But it's my money. Actually, it's his. Because everything belongs to God. If you truly believe the Bible, you have to believe the Bible as a whole. You have to believe that God is sovereign, that God is in control. I know it was joked earlier about this Sunday should be Stimulus Sunday. Everyone give a lot of your stimulus or at least 10% of your stimulus to the church and to, to the tithe and missions and impact. And many of you have already done that and praise God for that and I appreciate that. Some have it and some may not because they're going to hold on to it because it's theirs. That's a misunderstanding of biblical stewardship. This message isn't about getting more money. It's not. I know God's going to take care of us either way. This message is about helping us live a thriving Christian life. The life that God intends for us to live. I like what D.A. Carson says. He says, it is a poor bargain that exchanges the eternal for the temporal. And so many times that's what we do. You see, if our heart loves material things and puts earthly gain above heavenly investments, then it will result in tragic loss. The third test we see is the mind test. The mind test. Verses 22 and 23. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus is using an image of light and darkness, again, to compare and contrast, to draw attention to what we love. It's a common theme in the Bible that we are called to pursue light. Light is in reference to things that are good rather than pursue darkness, things that are evil. The eye is the symbol for the mind. Jesus is saying that there are only two possible ways to look at things. You see, if our minds focus only on things down here, we are full of darkness. The natural eye focuses on our physical existence, but the spiritual eye locks into what really matters. You see, when money becomes our number one obsession, it puts blinders on our eyes and ruins our spiritual life. If our thoughts are filled with how much we can deposit treasures in heaven, then our bodies will be full of light, full of goodness, full of righteousness, full of what God has called us to do. You know, I said earlier, the more passionate our faith, the more consistent our giving. And our willingness or unwillingness to give to the Lord is a tangible measure of our love or lack of love for Him. Because you cannot say, you cannot tell me based on what I know from God's Word, you cannot say that you truly love God if you're not even willing to give back to Him what is already His. He doesn't ask for a lot. You know, and speaking of the tithe, it's 10%. It's a tenth, which is nothing in comparison to what he gave us. Everything is life. And the question this morning is this, where is your focus? Where is your focus? And what we see in verses 22 and 23 is this, we must be single in our devotion. I'm not saying you're not supposed to be married. It's not what I'm saying. We must be single in our devotion. 
have a single train of thought. Focused on one thing and one thing only. And the one thing that we should focus on, the one thing that is needful is our relationship with God, is our time with God, is our understanding of what biblical stewardship is all about. The church, where is your focus? And the fourth and final test this morning is this, the master test. This is what it all boils down to. Verse number 24, no man can serve two masters. It is impossible. Either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Or what it's referring to is God in riches, God in money. To serve means that we have made a choice and engaged our wills. If we are not careful, then we can be deluded by our thinking that material things will last forever. But I'm here to tell you, they will not. The word Jesus uses for money is mammon, which is a proper noun or a name. You see, Jesus viewed money as a rival for preeminence. Listen, attachment to money leads to a detachment from God. And many people are so attached to their money that in reality, they are detached to God, his word, his will for their life. You can't serve multiple things. You can't serve two masters. It's impossible. Jesus does not want prominence in your life. I've mentioned that many times before. He's not seeking for prominence. Well, he's a big part of my life, preacher. No, no, no. He should be all your life. He seeks, he desires preeminence. So if Jesus Christ is not truly preeminent in your life, if he is not first and foremost over everything, then there's a problem. And it's impossible to live a thriving Christian life the way that God has intended us to live if Jesus Christ does not take preeminence. And in this master test, here's what it boils down to. Are we serving God or are we serving riches? Are we serving God or are we serving our money? Are we serving what money can bring us or are we serving the true and living God and realize that God has given us the money not to, to just do more here on this earth. There's nothing wrong with that. He has given us the money to do more for him, to be strategic with our investments. Whatever we devote ourselves to becomes our God. The tension that many of us experience when we try to love both God and money will sooner or later begin to show where our real loyalty lies. Only one master will win out. We've all heard the expression money talks, but have we ever listened to what it says? Money is a wonderful servant, but a lousy master. And the application question this morning is this, whom do you serve? Whom do you serve? Do you serve God, truly serve God? If you do, then every aspect of your life is his. And you've understood that biblical stewardship, well, I'll give a little time. That's my tithe to the Lord. No, 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 it's not about that, church. You'll give everything to God because it's already his. God is the owner, which makes you the steward, which makes you his manager, which means you're second, he is first. And what we learn from this question is this, we can only serve and satisfy one master. We can only serve and satisfy 
one master. And here's what it boils down to this morning. Divided loyalty is not an option for a steward. Again, we are stewards, not owners. It is our job to be faithful to our master. The more we love money, the less we love God. If money is our source, then we'll never have enough. But if God is our source, we'll have everything we need. You can't serve two masters. God must have your devotion. And listen, anything short of full devotion to God is idolatry. Endless personal accumulation is meaningless. Temporal treasures belong in a temporal earth. You can't take it with you. But you can forward it ahead. What I mean by that is living the way that God has intended you to live, giving the way that God has intended you to give, being strategic with your investments, and focusing more on investing in eternity in someone else's tomorrow than your own tomorrow. Are we saying we shouldn't have stocks and we shouldn't have IRAs? No. I think that's part of being a good steward, managing wisely our resources and not being in huge amounts of debt. That's another series entirely. But we have to have a biblical understanding of stewardship. God is the owner which makes us the steward. We can use our money to serve God. That's a biblical theology right there. Or we can use God to serve our money. That's a prosperity theology. You know, Matthew 6 helps us understand what true worship looks like. And what a testimony it is to the world when a Christian dares to practice the principles of biblical stewardship. But what a tragedy it is when Christians fail to practice it. So out of these four tests, how are you doing? Oh, I got three out of four, 75%. It's passing grade. It's not about just having a passing grade. What you treasure shows what you value. What you treasure shows what's in your heart. We are called to be single in our devotion, and we can only serve and satisfy one master. You see, here's the core truth. Passing the test of a steward is about actively seeking the things of God over the things of this world. As Jesus continues in Matthew chapter 6, and gets down to verse number 33. I love this verse. He says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 34, he says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Many of us struggle with worry. We struggle with doubt. We struggle with anxiety. You know what the cure for worry is? Three words. First things first, or seek ye first. Seek first God. When God is our priority, everything else will take place. When God is not our priority, everything else will tragically fail. Passing the test of steward is about actively seeking the things of God over the things of you're here today, you never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you to take this moment and call upon the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your Master. It's a simple thing. It's realizing that you are a sinner 
You need a Savior. He is the only cure for your sin. If you're here today and you are a Christian, I want to encourage you to look at these tests and to see how you're measuring up. Am I truly, truly devoted to God? Is my devotion single and solely on Jesus Christ or is it so focused on everything else? First things first is all about seeking God first and then everything else. Some of us are more worried about our jobs, we're more worried about money. And I understand with the economy, everything going on, we're going to get more stimulus checks. So do I have to file unemployment? I, I get the concerns. But what's most important is are we seeking God? Do we truly realize He's in control? Do we truly realize He's sovereign? Passing the test of a steward is about actively seeking the things of God 